With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Love Talk Radio. All right, welcome back to the Shades of Blue Soccer Show. This is Thad, uh, writer at bluetestament.com. Uh, Cody, we have you on the line? I'm here. All right, another one of our bluetestament.com contributors. And new to our show, hopefully not the only time he will ever appear, but Steve Brizendine from MLS Soccer. Are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? I can. So for those who don't know, Steve is the beat writer for MLSsoccer.com and uh, resident humorist on Twitter and guy who likes to make the interesting comments at uh, press conferences. So, Steve, how are you doing tonight? Doing okay. Uh, just uh, getting ready for the uh, the match tomorrow. Looking forward to see what the sporting is going to do out in, in L.A. I- You've been down there this week, I assume, for some practices. How have they looked? Well, they look pretty energetic. You know, I, don't, I think Peter, for me, is the manager is really, you know, kind of keeping the, uh, keep the focus up this week, getting them uh, back on the winning track. You know, he, we were out there the other day, and then he was really animated in, in his closing remarks, really stressing focus, really stressing doing 
getting things right and playing the game their way. I think they're going to go into L.A. Um, in, in that match with Chivas, really looking to impose their will on the game, not react to what the other, <laughs> other side is doing, and then getting back to doing what they do do best, which is press high, control the tempo of the game, and uh, and, and keep things uh, hot for the, for the team at the other end. Now, I, I know we um, we've had Eric out for a while now, and Andy came back last week. Um, does it still look like it'll be Andy in goal this week? You think? I think probably we'll see Green Bomb in goal one more time at least. Um, Robert is back training. I think maybe what happens is that he will maybe get a uh, look in the, uh, the Champions League game <clears throat> and uh, can go from there. But I really think that we see Andy one more time this week, and then I think Kronberg comes back either CCL or the next league match in a couple of weeks. So, Cody, have you been uh, studying Chivas ever since I sent out the uh, agenda for tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I try to I try to watch uh, you know most of the MLS games, but Chivas is bad. You guys, they're they're a bad team. Like, it's not good. They they don't have an owner. I mean, they're they're last place in the West, twenty four points, less than a point a game. Um, they just lost three nothing to Columbus. It was their ninth loss in a row. Uh, I think their 11th shutout of the year. And, you know, mo- like 10 of those shutouts were, were with Eric Kubo Torres. And so that, that's how bad they were with him. And now because of a red card and MLS imposing their will, he's missing another game. So he will not be there. And it is, it's not looking good for, for Chivas right now. Well, well, speaking of Kubo, that was a uh, pretty bad tackle right. that he did on uh, on right. Baggio the other yeah, day. Yeah, and he uh, and he like right when he did it, he he knew he knew he was wrong, <laughs> and he just darted off the field. He he had he had like no protest, and despite that, MLS gave him another game on top of it. So he's so he's serving two games for that, but he missed the previous two games because he was serving time for the um, Mexican national team. And so now he's come back and now he's going to serve his two. So he's missing four games on this team that is absolutely terrible. And I mean, I mean like he has, Kubo has 17 goals and I think the next, the next two guys, like two goals. I think everyone else has one and two goals on the team. It's pretty pathetic, and so I think Sporting is going to look to, you know, like you said, impose their will. I mean, like, okay, in the midfield, they got Mauro, Rosales, uh, maybe Eric Avila, he's decent, and then Bobby Burling in the back, but other than other than those guys, Sporting should uh, well, well, look to... Rosales isn't there anymore. He was traded. Oh, what? Yeah, Rosales Wait, was where traded he go? to Vancouver. Oh, Vancouver. yeah. That's right. Uh, they got Neil Coker for him, I believe. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, see, how do you, how do you see this uh, match coming? Neil Coker and Kimmich are two that you can recognize. <laughs> what, what was that, Steve? 
Enrico Coker and, and Kennedy are about the only two players on the, on the pitch that, that people are going to look at and recognize. Right. Everybody, it, it's like those two guys in nine mil cartons, basically. Um, and that again, this, this it's, it's it's franchise instability. We don't know what's going to happen with the owner. I mean, the, 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 it's a it's a dumpster fire, and a wish car <laughs> accident rolled into one. Right. And that's I mean that's kind of sad for a franchise to be in that condition. But is this um, is this the game that Sporting comes out of their losing streak? I mean, they played better in New York, uh, still couldn't manage to win, even though they've been such a good road team this year. Is this is this the team to go get healthy against? What do you think? It better be. If it's not, then there are some serious problems because people thought that Houston was going to be the 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 game that that Sporting broke the 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 streak and got back on on track, you know, before it hit four, and that didn't happen. But Houston is is a more stable franchise. They've had their problems, but they still have they still have that that situation where they can turn it up against against Sporting, and then finally did uh, after a pretty long streak of them not being able to beat them. And plus it's Hayford ball. Uh, Chivas is just, they're, they're dispirited. They don't know where they're going to be. They don't really almost even know if they're going to be. And they're not going to be Chivas next year. They don't know if they're going to be in L.A., if they're going to be in Sacramento, San Antonio. What's, what's going to happen with that club? And if Sporting cannot get that, that, that I mean, don't, they don't need a draw. They need the full three points. If they can't get that done against Chivas, which I think they will, then yeah, they've got problems. But it, it looks just like it looks like streak-ending medicine. Uh, yeah, sporting. I would, I would say, Steve, like, like you were saying, you know, they don't know where that team's going to be. I would absolutely love to see it go to like one of those teams like Sacramento that are doing it all the right way and have like you know the right fan support and all that. And there's clearly, well, I I think it's pretty clear that there's not. <laughs> enough room for two teams in L.A. at least at this point. So I would like to see him share the wealth when, you know, especially when New York is getting, is taking up one of the, you know, the next spots for another team. Yeah, I, w- I would. <laughs> We're having this discussion the other day. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I've heard uh, from the uh, sporting, sorry, the play-by-play guys, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, tickle my throat, that uh, Nelson Rodriguez is going to have something to say um, during the pregame show on Friday. So I don't know. Maybe something will pop that we don't know about. But I think if, if I were going to rank the likelihood of where Chivas USA would wind up next year, of course, Chivas TBD, um, <laughs> I would say my number one um, prospect would be Sacramento. My number yeah. two would be San Antonio. Three the Outside three would be Minnesota. But I don't really see what would keep them in L.A. Yeah, what was it? Is it San Antonio that uh, is uh, just announced all the stadium renovations? It was some team in Texas. I think that is San Antonio. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Yeah. It would give you another team in Texas. Yeah. Um, it, you know, of course, then if you if you if they go Sacramento, you'd have another California derby with San Jose, which could be kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, she right. USA was a bad idea in the first place. And it is yes, it just was. really not. Uh, they've never gotten a foothold. I mean, the idea of okay, let's put a let's put a Mexican themed soccer club in LA. And so, number one, it, it's it's already 
really, I think, limiting the demographic. And then they further limit the demographic by tying the club to Chivas de Guadalajara. So if you're an America fan, well, then you're not going to look at Chivas USA and think, hey, I am a Mexican soccer fan. I must, therefore, (laughs) mindlessly follow this U.S. affiliate of the club that I hate. All right. It was a a horrid idea. And I'm glad that MLS is finally finally pulling the plug. I think it's just been a while overdue for that. Several years overdue. Well, I do think L.A. can support two teams. L.A. is big enough to support two teams. They, Like well, you were yeah. saying, Steve, it, it, it was a bad idea to limit the, the target audience down so restricted to Mexican fans, Chivas fans. Um, but put them in the same stadium, and now you're even taking the demographic of the, that location, that part of the city, because L.A. is so big that you don't always want to drive from one side to the other. Find yeah. another location. You know, put yeah, it somewhere else. Maybe in Orange County. Of course, Orange County's got a USL Pro side, but you know, maybe you put it in. Oh, gee, then we're back to targeting, aren't we? East LA or someplace like that, but not Carson. And the thing is, LA <laughs> yeah. with the Galaxy, with the support that they've had, some of the with the assists they've had there, um, they they've pretty much got LA a lot locked down a lot more than than the Red Bulls have that New York area. Lockdown. I don't say New York because they play in Jersey. I call them NJ1. But uh, I, mean, the, I mean, the Galaxy have LA pretty well. As, as if there's if there's a, a city that big that could really be called a single market club, maybe that's it. And then you do have the the USL Pro side there. Then you, if you <clears throat> try to keep a team there, then yeah, where do you put it? Uh, meanwhile, Sacramento's hungry. I mean, hungry and got got the ownership. I think lined up. I think they, they could really make some good things happen there. Um, and, and the yeah, thing is, when you look at what's going on with Chivas, you look back at what could have happened with, with the then Wizards, now Sporting, when Lamar Hunt decided to sell off the club. And there was uncertainty about whether or not they'd even be in Kansas City. They were all the save the, the Wizards things. You know, you sort of look at Chivas and think there, but for the grace of God goes Kansas City because Kansas City was in a kind of a rough patch and before On Goal stepped up. And, of course, we all know the good things that have happened since then. Yeah. Well, yeah don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing against moving them and trying to – I'm not arguing to keep them in L.A. I'm just thinking that if they had been done right or if you had an L.A. investor that wanted to do it right, you could have the support there. Uh, to, to, be, to be honest, I don't even think it's necessarily wrong to have a, a Hispanic-focused team if they wanted to do that. You obviously can't restrict it by can't discriminate and things like that. Like they've actually right. got away with a few times. Right, right. But uh, you could you could you could market it as a more Hispanic flair team and you know things like that. But you just have to separate yourself from the galaxy to be in the exact same location and then have everything else so restricted. I think was just a horrible, horrible mistake. But don't get me wrong. Go to Sacramento. Go to San Antonio. You know, award uh, the franchise to Minnesota. I don't care. Move, do something to get that franchise healthy, and not to be a laughing stock at this point. Yeah, laughing and a stepchild. I mean, they've, they've always been a stepchild in LA. Absolutely. So, back to the game coming up here tomorrow. What, uh, Cody? What would you think is the key to the game for Sporting? Give me. Give me one thing that sporting has to do to win this game. Um, okay, I'll go with I'll go with what Sunni 
told me the other night was the problem over this stretch was that they were getting away from themselves in that, like, Benny Fellhaber isn't driving the run of play. There are four positions where it's where it's Matt Beesler having to, you know, play the long ball across the field or Sinovic, you know, driving the play. And so so I look for I'm looking for them to impose their will this time and, and be able to drive the play where they want to. Steve, what would be your one key? This is gonna sound maybe a little bit strange, but I think they have to play the game, even though Chivas have not got the firepower they should with, with, with Kubo suspended. They have to play the match as though they need to defend for their lives. And I think for me, that's putting in Kevin Ellis at right back. Igor Julio is tremendously talented in the attack, but he's just not there defensively yet. And that's, I think, going to hurt them down the stretch if they still keep having to compensate for him. What that does when he gets beaten on that right on sporting right flank, the opposing attacking left flank, is that Colin has now to go from their right center back position to back Igor up. And that pulls Beaver toward the right. And right. that's got to drop in that way. So it's, it, it pulls, but, it stretches the team back and forth. I think if you have Ellison there, he's a lot more, he's not as creative in the attack, but he's he's a lot better on defense. You get that shutout, you so I think they need a shutout just for the psychological lift. The, right. the fact that it comes against Chivas, yeah, that's that there's, but there's no asterisk by it. They need that clean sheet, and they need to play this game tomorrow like they like defense really matters. Right, but when for for when it comes to Igor, he you have to remember that he was you know, getting all this starting time and we were still winning games and that was all when Matt Beesler was in the World Cup. And so I've like I that was that was my like key to the game for me, like almost every game there for a couple of weeks was if if Igor can not fuck up too many times, you know. But but I think but I, like I think they like kinda learned they're kind of learning to deal with that, and I, I thought Igor looked maybe a little bit better the last game. <clears throat> Somewhat better, but he's still he's still a defensive liability. And Absolutely, one of the always yeah. preached is that defense wins championships. Right. You have to give up a little bit of that creativity uh, on that on that right fullback spot for the sake of the sake of maintaining a better defensive shape. I think that's the trade off you've got to make because you're trying to set the tone for how you're going to do things on the stretch. Again, I think Igor plays a lot of heart. He plays with a lot of of uh, passion, but he's he's still learning how to be a defender. You're, you come from yeah. Brazil, you basically have to come out to your parents as a defender, and you have the conversation, <laughs> and you try not being a defender. Because it's just not in the national character. It's not part of the, the Jogo Monito, is defending heart. Um, and, but at least Igor playing, has... At least Igor has acknowledged... That he that he's aware of that problem with Brazilians. At least he's a, he seems like he wants to be here and he's eager to eager to learn about it. So that's at least encouraging. That's hope, and I, I think again bringing Dunga back as as the as the manager is another. If he if he can kind of, and I, again, the, the climate in Brazil is not what it is here. There's a lot less unity. There's a lot more infighting, things like that. But if Dunga can sort of impart some sort of, of grit. 
again to the national side. Get some uh, get some people who are actually committed to, to doing the dirty work on defense, and not always trying to make the big play. Not always trying to come come forward right. and play pretty ball. I think maybe you you, you can see some um, a little bit of change, but it's so deeply ingrained in the national character. You go out and play the the, the beautiful game, and you saw what efficiency does to beautiful in the World Cup semifinals. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so it, I, I agree that uh, Igor's defensive liabilities has uh, caused Colin to get pulled out of shape, Beasler to be pulled out, and uh, such forth. But, but what he adds going forward has been pretty impressive so far. I mean, that's uh, he some of the runs he's made, some of the dribbles he's made around people, uh, chipping the ball over a guy, flying, you know, trying to do a slide tackle on him. That's been Pretty to watch. Thanks, yeah, man. Look at the look at the gifts that I made in that in that last uh, last blue link. So I have two gifts of his incredible uh, uh, ground crosses right at someone. The thing is, it's going to be ultimately judged on what that leads to. And if if he makes a great step over and and pants a guy, <laughs> and nothing comes of it, then we you, again you've got a great gift, and everybody says, "Ooh, look what he can do!" And the ball's <laughs> still not in the back of the net. Um, right. And again, this is what they really they they. So miss Myers at that right that right back spot, and they oh. so miss Ico Parra uh, oh. being able to, to push guys in training and, and to spill guys, <clears throat> you know, give them give people a, a match. They really before he got hurt, they almost had a, a, a center back triad developing with with Beasler and Colin and Opara. And I think the loss of, of those guys has really been um, something to deal with. And I think the other thing, thing that we would, and I talked about this a little bit earlier today for a, the video that's going on the site tomorrow with the uh, <clears throat> companion piece of the story that I'm working on, on Diesel and all the, the mileage he's put on his legs. They miss Murray Roselle in that defensive mid spot. Oh, you're just, you're hurting me, man. You're talking about all of our, all of our losses. It's killing me. Well, <laughs> you look at, you look at what Uri, I mean, it was kind of a catchphrase. Uri was where opposing possession went to die. Yeah, he he was he very good at intercepting the ball before it could put pressure on the back line. Look mm-hmm. at that first sequence that led to the, to the Beasley foul and the, and the penalty kick on uh, <clears throat> against on, on BWP against New York. Henri, before he plays that ball through to to uh, to Wright Phillips, has got way too much room to operate about. 30, 35 yards out right in the middle of the pitch. And that was the area that Uri was, that was his office. And if you came into his office, he was going to take the ball and it was going to go back the other direction. But they don't, I mean, Lawrence does what he can do. Claros does what he can do, but they don't have that positional awareness and that nose for the interception that Uri had. Consequently, you have more pressure on the back line. And again, Look where Beasler was in the in the in the in the eighteen or in, yeah in the eighteen yeah. when that foul happened. He was on the right mm-hmm. side of the eighteen as as facing the facing away. The wrong side. <laughs> the wrong side because <laughs> there's that pressure on the back line. Things got pulled out of shape, and he was having to go to his off foot to make a tackle. And and what happened was that he got a penalty kick. So there's a combination of things, and I don't think you can overstate the importance 
uh, the, the loss of Brazil. I mean, yeah, you go with who you've got, and they're going to make bank when he gets sold away from Sporting to Portugal. But right now, they don't have that guy who, who goes in and consistently blows up uh, opposing positions. Before that, they had Julio Cesar. I mean, he was older. He wasn't nearly as mobile, but he had that what Peter called that heat-seeking missile mentality. He knew where the play was shaping up. He was the, the, the stereotypical wily veteran. And he went and blew well, stuff up. And so the back line benefited from that, and they benefited from Uri, and now they don't have those, that kind of guy in front of him. Maybe Claros will develop into that. He'll be the guy who blows things up. Maybe uh, – I don't think Lawrence is, is going to be that kind of a guy. I think Lawrence is is better maybe in some distribution aspects than Claros is, but he's not going to be the guy who goes in positionally and blows things up. I think it's I, – I, I agree with you, but I'm going to throw a little twist on it. Uh, when we had Julio Cesar, we had Espinoza. So Cesar was great with being in the right position, but Espinosa was the guy that could do all the dirty, not dirty tackles, but he could do the hard tackles. He could run all over the field and get all that work done. So he made up for Cesar not having the the legs. Cesar could could ease back and pick up the the trash when uh, Roger basically knocked it over. Um, I think it's a fair assessment. Yeah, absolutely. And then with. Uh, Yuri, he had a little more mobility than Cesar, a lot more mobility than Cesar. Not the uh, the drive and the hard-nosed part that Espinoza had, but at that point was the rise of Nagamura. And Naga, they, he he brought the, 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 the things that Roger did as knowing where to – he kind of combined with Yuri to have that where he could come in and be hard-nosed when he needed to be positionally a little bit smarter than than some of the other players. And this last few games, we've we've seen the lack of Yuri, we've seen the lack of Naga. Um, there for a while at the during the World Cup, you had Benny filling in at that defensive mid-spot when uh, Olam was gone. And Benny, mm-hmm. I think, ran himself ragged, did an admirable, I mean, did a great job of filling in for that role. hated to see him do it because he, he lost all the offense that he could create. But he could fill in that spot because he is also the wily veteran that, you know, is willing to do the little chippy thing when he needs to. Not nearly like some of the other guys, but he could do that. So putting low there, I think with Naga coming back, even with with Olam or Claros there, with Naga coming back, that's going to improve. It's got to improve. I agree with that. Paolo is, is one of those guys, again, He's a veteran. He's, he's smart. He knows how to play the game, and he's also not afraid to do that dirty work. Not not you know, not a dirty play, but just get in there, win the ball, um, disrupt people. I mean, you, you saw him. You, you see him out there. And he's got this the ability to stop things before they get going because he's in the right spot, place at the right time to, to hold up a guy, perhaps, or, or to make him change his route before he gets to run, run up the field and he gets the ball in space. So he's, he's very smart, and he, he's a guy that's intensely committed to every roll of the ball. I mean, he's never seen Nagamura take a roll of the ball off. No. He he may not have the speed that some of the other guys has or the, the strength or the pure technical skill, but the one thing you will get with Naga is he will give you everything he's got, every play of the game, <laughs> and you know that he is uh, he's going to go out and sacrifice himself if he needs to, and somebody else if he can. He's going to go out there and give you everything. Yeah. Uh, do, you, 
Naga, I mean, I, I see Naga typically playing a little more to the left side when he's been in. Uh, you think getting him more to the right side would help cover Igor for his runs? You know, would maybe, and him, uh, you know, being Brazilian, maybe can can oh, help well, Igor. Well, I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting idea. I mean, they if you follow either of them on social media. Uh, Igor like seems to think that Nagamura is like something of a something of a god, and he he just like follow. It looks like he just kind of follows him around, and like they'll just be like eating dinner, and he just like takes a picture of him. And I don't know. So so I would I would imagine that that you know having his big brother figure there, if you will, that would that would uh, that would probably help him out. Well, again, yeah. And if you can if you can head off problems before they get to Igor, then I think that yeah, you'll 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 keep the heat a little more off him, and then that then that keeps the heat off Tom, that keeps the heat off Beaver, that keeps the heat off Seth. It's a chain thing. And I really, I think down the stretch, uh, one he's got to stay healthy, and they've really got to kind of be careful how much. And Peter told me this. Uh, for this week, they've got to be careful with how much they use him in training because he has been off. And the first thing that you ask him to do when he gets back is go play 84 minutes. And so <laughs> it doesn't seem like he has an ease back in setting. You, you look at the playoffs last year and when he was off and he was hurt and he came back in and just went and went and went and went because he doesn't, he doesn't know how to. I don't think he knows how to um, <laughs> not do Hate that. Himself. I think he's when he's out there, I think he can pace himself, but I think he's gonna—he's just gonna give you everything you've got for as long as you have him out there. Um, and you know, if if, he's, if, he, if he's coming off an injury and you say, "Hey, Paul, I need to play 84 minutes," he's gonna play 84 minutes, and he's not gonna complain about it. He may need a little more rest afterward, but that's just what he's gonna do. He's got the engine to do it. Basically, Paul has got an on and off switch, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's pretty much. And when he's I know it's been frustrating for him to be hurt because he's a real competitor. He wants to be out there, but at the same time, it's almost like the last season playoffs. He sort of put on the cape and came on and came out there late in the season. And I don't think they, I don't think they win in all this cup without him coming back and doing what he did down the stretch in the playoffs. No, I would, I would agree with that. I, I'm, I'm really thinking for next year they just need to save him for the first half of the year. Yeah. Just take some time off, Paula. We'll see you in July, and then we'll go from there. Um, <laughs> yeah, in, in the meantime, he's we'll, a guy we'll... that you have to watch out for in the expansion, losing the expansion draft, though, if you don't protect him, because he is that that veteran who's you know just tremendous as an example of work ethic and and smart play and hard work. And I think either one of the new clubs would want to snap up a guy like that who is you know he, he's. He's not a – doesn't do a lot of talking, put it that way, about himself, about um, – you know, he doesn't pump himself up. He's very proud of what he does. But he, you, know, you can tell that in, in the way he plays. And then you ask him, he says a lot of quiet confidence with him. He doesn't pump himself up, though. He's a, he's a good teammate. He'd be a good locker room influence. He's a guy I think you really have to worry about losing the expansion draft if you don't protect him. And because and he has – I was just going to say, and he also has one of the best uh, fist pumps of anyone on the team. Go back and watch the, go back after he hit his PK. Oh, my God. 
He triple fist pumps. It was glorious. <laughs> yeah, he he uh, he he'd be pretty passionate out there. I mean, he, you talk to him away from the the, the the pitch, and he's a pretty laid back guy. I mean, he just you know he really easy going, uh, pretty quiet. But you get him inside those white lines, and he's about as intense as they come. Well, even if you get him talking about the game, um, you you can see the fire start lighting behind his eyes when he talks about the game. If he's just talking about training or how his health is, he's calm and everything's good. But you start to talk about the next game, and you can you, his his eyes will narrow a little bit, and his it'll light up a little bit, and he'll start to get that little edge to him, like I'm ready to go get somebody. Yeah, he he's a gamer. He really is. I mean, he trains, yeah. and, he, and he's a good example of people in 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 training. But he is an absolute gamer. Absolutely, I I, I was. When he first came here, I was not necessarily impressed with the trade or with seeing him in practice. But once I saw him in a few games, it was like, okay, I kind of like this guy. That was, that was really interesting because that was the, the offseason that Bobby Convy came in and then Paolo and Jake. And, of course, Convy was the highest profile signing. He'd been around forever. He'd played in the Premier League, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think he was kind of maybe one of the, the – Maybe like Ty, sort of a guy who'd been been several places and maybe wasn't real thrilled about coming to Kansas City. I don't know, but but Ty bought into what Peter was doing and he blossomed here. I don't think I don't think Kami did, and he didn't blossom here. But I think Nagamura and Jacob both really bought into what was going on here, and they they've both done well for themselves here. And it's funny to to look back at the at the signing period. And these are the guys who who have made impacts, and and Kami's now two teams on the road. Yeah, the Naga actually gave me my favorite quote of all time that day when uh, they had the press conference out at uh, Sporting Park. When I asked him, you know, something about him being ready, he goes, "I have the tiger in my eye." <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the that's one of the better uh, better introductory quotes I've heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is phenomenal. All right. Uh, well, uh, enough love for Naga, which is kind of weird. we kind of got sidetracked a little bit, but uh, we got a lot of love for Naga at the moment, obviously. Um, yeah. but back to this this next game. Dom obviously has been the story a lot of this year, and we we had a long discussion in our last podcast about who should be the MVP. But he's on that cusp mm-hmm. of uh, breaking a record. <laughs> you think he does it in this game? Is this the game he goes out and tears through a defense and? Put a couple goals in and, well, and just playing that record. Well, I don't know. He, I just like we we've said it all already about this team. Like, I just feel like the ball's gonna land at his feet at some point in the in the box, or it's like gonna run into his head at some point. Like, with with how pitiful the team is. Like, we could we could, I feel like he could play that, or the team could play that, and Dom is gonna get a goal. I just I feel like it's bound to happen. He was maybe a, a game where he could score two from the spot because they're, they're that yeah. bad back to where he may get that mismatch, and the only thing anybody can do is pull him down. Uh, and, That's all and, they can ever uh, do. And, and so I, I think this is a game. I think he gets. I think he scores. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see one, and really be maybe more one from the spot and one from the run of play. But I, I really think that he's gonna. I think he's gonna feast in this game. It just sort of has that feel to it, and I, I think. He really senses that as well. I think he'd like to go out and, and really kind of put his stamp on, on the late part of the season. And one of the ways you can do that is, is I mean, if you've got a club that, that's 
struggling, yeah, you you go out and you put your, the the ball in the net against those guys. They get your confidence up, and you get the, you get feeling like, yeah, I'm gonna I can score when I want to. And you know, <laughs> absolutely, I think he goes out and then tries to put the ball in the net as as often as he can. Right? I think that if he has a conscience tomorrow, I think that's going to be uh, to his detriment. I think he goes out there and he's got he's got to take the ball toward the goal every chance that he gets. So predictions, Cody. What's the what's the what's the score going to be tomorrow? Four-one. Uh, Sporting. Steve? Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to call the clean sheet. I'm going to call it 4 0. Oh, yeah, Grunenbaum's Damn. first clean sheet. I like it. So, no, I, I will I will go 3 1. Um, probably being, I, and, I, and I just feel, to be honest, I feel I'm being optimistic because I always worry about going against these teams that we're absolutely supposed to beat. But um, we, we haven't had a clean sheet for anybody except Kronberg this year. Yes, that's why I've stopped predicting it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's the uh, same here. So that's why I'll go with 2-1-3-1. Yeah, I just think that Chivas is so bad and Sporting is going to be so concentrated on playing the right kind of defense. I think I don't think they're going to get the ball in this time. I don't is think there, is, is, there, is there any chance that on, on Sunday we're, we're going to be Taking a look at our lives and like wondering what what happened and how we've lost five in a row. There's always a chance. Yeah. I mean, MLS is MLS. Uh, that I think is a slim chance, though. I think that yeah. it, 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 it's it would be um, a an upset and b uh, just absolutely a, a stunner for Sporting and it, that would that would do a lot of damage. I think to lose to, to Chivas. Uh, when, when they're right. that bad, and Sporting has has the guys they still have on the, on the pitch. We'd have to like have somebody like have Benny Salaber sent off in the second minute or something. Yeah, even then, I think you know, <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah, think even a man down, Sporting would still have a, a shot against Chivas because they're just having that awful of a year. All right. Well, they are having an awful year, but they do have 24 points. They they do have six wins. They beat somebody, and when we have it, – it always scares me when you have a team like Sporting who it, traditionally to me is always underachieved against the worst teams. Um, it, it always scares me a little bit, so I don't want to be too confident. But, but it well, would be a they, big disappointment for them not to win. You said you said they did beat somebody, but they beat somebody with Kubo Torres. And they will be sans Kubo Torres this game. They they probably and they also beat them all with uh, Rosales when they still had him, I believe. <laughs> all right. So uh, Neil Coker has not done them any favors coming over so far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those situations. Who, if you're a player and you get you get sent to Chivas USA, I I can't see that being something you'd be excited about. Um, it, it, it would be a test of your professionalism to be sent to Chivas uh, USA. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything that we should have discussed that we didn't, uh, Cody? Um, I don't think so. I kicked. I played football today, and I kicked my ball in the middle of the lake. And Andy Edwards watched me do it. He was playing right behind. He was playing right behind us. It was embarrassing. Okay. So we are not signing you up anytime soon. Um, 
Any <laughs> any last words or uh, things we missed, Steve? Uh, no, I just you were talking about Dom and the record. I did. Uh, this is on the site. I'll plug that a little bit. I did talk to Precky today. Just for oh. And um, you know, he, he, I asked him. You know, you, this this thing has has stood since the the first season of the league. How do you feel about uh, this this young guy coming in and threatening to break your record? Since I feel great, you know, it's great. Records are made to be broken, and uh, he likes the way Dom plays the game. It's not how Precky played the game. Precky was more like Peter said today. It was more of a he was a number ten who had that one season where he just managed almost everything he hit went in. Uh, two very different kinds of players, but Precky really likes the way that Dom plays the game in the box. And I think Dom has a lot of respect for Precky. I think he has, he's, he would be honored to, to break that record. Um, and so I, I think it's going to be, I think there's going to be, the spring is going to be selling, celebrating a victory. I think Dom is going to have that record. And I think it would be another time to kind of remember um, Precky. He was, remember, Chivas USA's coach for a while. Um, and what you know, what he did to, to to build the club in the first place. Don has mentioned that you know he's he's Precky's he's, name is on the wall at the stadium, and he's a guy that, that Don has a lot of respect for. And I think we're going to see uh, see Don take his his place uh, at the top of that list. Uh, it's going to be a while before anybody breaks the assist record, but I think we'll see Don at the top of the of the single season scoring list tomorrow, and then Precky will be happy for him. Yeah, the uh, I think uh, Dom with uh, with all his youth and all his uh, sometimes irreverence for you know doing things like social media and doing <laughs> selfie in the game and all that stuff. And I don't mean the irreverence in a bad way. Just in the that he's he's that new age player. I, he still has the respect for the what came before him in the game. Oh yeah, I, I get that sense from him. I mean, you, is that fair, Steve? I think so. Too. I mean, you listen to how I talk about Jermaine Defoe. You know, when, when before. TFC came here, and yeah, he wanted Defoe's jersey. He wanted to, he wanted to beat him and get Defoe's jersey. But at the same time, he says, "This is like I grew up watching. I'm playing in the back garden, and I, I I hit the ball, you know, and I yell I yell his name." He's got a lot of respect for the guys who came before him and paved the way. He, if he's if he having fun playing the game, obviously, um, he's having a blast playing the game, and he's doing well. But the the thing is. He does have a healthy respect for uh, for the game of football uh, and for the guys who played it ahead of him. And I, I, I think that that kind of happy-go-lucky, cheeky demeanor sometimes is a bit of a mask for a, a pretty serious guy when it comes to how he, how he approaches the game. Well, absolutely. I think he uses that as a, a, as a way to deflect the uh, serious questions, the you know he he likes to mess with uh, the media and other players and such forth like that. But I think it's just it's way his way of deflecting mm-hmm. that and still being focused on what he does. Because you you watch him in the field and there's nobody more focused on uh, you know trying to irritate the goalie, trying to uh, pester a defender into turning over a ball. He's he's got that attitude. Yeah, he really does. It's it's been really something to see the way that he's. Uh, come along here yeah, in, in Kansas City, you know, from, from his rookie season and then the, the whole being sent to Orlando last year and, and having come into terms with that and doing as well as he did there and then coming back this, this year and just torching things. And he likes Kansas City. He wants to stay in Kansas City. He told me the other day, so, you know, I'd like to be here for years if they want me. I'd like to be here taking shots at my own record as long as they want me here. I love it here. So I mean, sure, I mean, if you're a sporting fan, you, you kind of like to hear that. Absolutely. 
All right, well, if there's nothing else, guys, I think we're going to wrap this one up. We want to keep it short enough that people can listen to tomorrow before watching the game. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. that way they can uh, they can go back and laugh at us when our predictions are, you know, uh, not <laughs> as accurate as we would hope they would be. So I want to thank both of you for coming on, Cody. Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Sorry for the short notice, guys. But uh, I was kind of tied up a lot today, a little bit more than I expected, so I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do this one tonight. Uh, so thank you and Steve thank you thanks for having me on it was a lot of fun alright we will we will do our best to have you on uh, again very soon appreciate it thanks a lot guys thanks You know we're gonna feel alright